Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today's topic is disruptive tech in the supply chain with my friend, Charlie Dahoney. How's it going, Charlie? Always well, Joe. Thanks for having me on. It is great to have you on. Charlie's been on my podcast before. He is a great guest. So, Charlie, before we get started, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're at. My name is Charlie Dahoney. I'm currently in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm with ZBox, which is a logistics technology accelerator that's a multi-corporate accelerator founded by CMA CGM, the steamship company. Interesting, interesting. So the t- today's topic again, disruptive tech, and it sounds like that's what you guys do. So, but before we get into that, Charlie, tell us a little bit about you. You've been on my podcast before, so we don't want to go to the whole the whole history of Charlie, but just give us a little bit of a thumbnail. Where you where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? A little bit about you before you ended up at Z Box. So box. <laughs> I grew up mostly in San Diego, California. I went to Rancho Bernardo High School and then graduated from San Jose State. Was a athlete, you know, my whole life, uh, played college football. Out of school, I started my career with Worldwide Express, went on to help them uh, build and grow a few franchises before setting off on my own and building a couple of companies in my late 20s and early 30s before I got bit by the startup bug. When riding in an Uber in 2012, I realized that everything was going to change and decided to really devote my the rest of my career for, uh, you know, to kind of get involved in the logistics technology businesses. So I started with companies like Cargomatic, Shiphawk, and Airspace as an early stage co-founder, head of growth, a marriage counselor. Learned a lot about <laughs> fundraising and, and uh, a lot of the mistakes on what not to do while building startups. And then also learned a lot about, you know, how to build productive teams and, and grow businesses. So I recently moved to Nebraska from California with my family. We bought in and sold a 50-year-old freight brokerage company, and we automated a bunch of the administrative functions of business, built a world-class team and, and a sales force, and we're able to just about double the revenues in about 19 months and exit the business. <laughs> <laughs> Helped uh, largely by the market, and obviously, and, and COVID, but uh, we sold the business during the pandemic last year in October of 20 to Fitzmark out of Indianapolis, who's done a great job building the business uh, since taking it over. And then uh, most recently, I joined ZBox about 90 days ago. Very nice. Very nice. So you had lots of opportunities. I know you, again, you kind of mentioned it, but I know you're, you've been a, a founder. You've been kind of that early employee. You've been a, a guy who's written checks into the business. You've done it all when it comes to starting, running, <laughs> and exiting companies. Why did you start? Why did you join the guys over at Zabox, right? That's exactly right. So I guess it goes back to coming out of my experiences in these early stage businesses, Cargomatic, Airspace, and Shiphawk. I found that I really have a knack for helping companies kind of go zero to one, take an idea into the market, build the initial team, get the right sort of plan in place, build the right customer base that you can then become fundable. And then of course, knowing the right investors and uh, and helping you know facilitate the right conversation. So when I took over as CEO of Mannings, I found that running a 50-year-old business was extremely easy compared to building startups. So I found that I had a lot of time on my hands. I was doing some some writing, you know, pretty regularly and and a bunch of, you know, speaking and podcasting and really just put me in touch with a bunch of logistics tech startups. And so started at first just mentoring, you know, some of these founders and then eventually became an advisor in a few businesses and then had the opportunity to start angel investing about two and a half years ago. I've since done uh, just under about 30 deals 
uh, using my personal money and really have, have developed a portfolio of businesses that I'm quite proud of. And so I found that I have a real passion for coaching these people that are half my age and twice as smart and uh, getting the opportunity to help them learn from my mistakes and successes and, and leverage uh, my network to help, you know, facilitate interesting discussions. Uh, it just really, I've been able to kind of like build this whole passion project in my nights and weekends and in the cracks of my schedule. And then I got in touch with the folks at ZBox this summer through a founder that I'd supported previously. And he had a successful exit in his business last year and had heard about this logistics tech accelerator that was supported by this, you know, billion, multi-billion dollar company that had ambitions of expanding into the U.S. And uh, he thought it'd be perfect. So I got in touch with the team at CMACGM here in the U.S. And they told me the story that Rodolphe Sade, the, the founder, or the excuse me, the chairman, uh, the son of the founder at CMACGM Group based out of Marseille, France, the third largest steamship line in the world, that he had built an accelerator to kind of externalize innovation inside of his group of companies and they had started finding success kind of matching early stage startups with larger corporate partners and really building this long, deep bridge in between the startups and the corporate world. And it just sounded like fun. And so one conversation led to the next and I started officially here and I guess it was late August. Yep. When we were prepping, Charlie, we were talking about, you know, the role of, of disruption, disruptive tech in the space. And, you know, if you were to go back to 10, 15, 20 years, we felt like, hey, there's a little disruptive, there's disruption. That disruption to me was making the current processes faster, better, cheaper with using technology. And that all made sense. Don't get me wrong. We will continue to do that. That's the kind of the incremental, inv the, 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 the investment in tech to make our current processes better. But I wouldn't call that necessarily disruptive tech. It made you faster, better, cheaper. You save 15% because you were able to make something faster. You need less heads. I don't have to make a check call because I have, you know, Project 44. I think when we're talking disruptive tech, we're talking where all of a sudden it's not incremental improvement. It's kind of this transformation, a disruptive where they go, hey, this is a brand new thing. And I, I think we talked a, a few about some of the good people we've had on my podcast, like Emerge, brand new process. I mean, when you see it, you go, oh, exactly. That's what I want. Uh, we talked about Flexport, same thing, where you go, freight forwarding business been around forever. But when somebody says, hey, here, I have a global trade platform that connects all the players, you're like, oh, that's different. <laughs> that is a game changer. And, you know, there's lots of them that are popping up out there. And again, I, I, some of them I'm real familiar with, like LoadSmart, Turbo. These companies are really starting not with the idea that we're going to make things incrementally better. We're going to change the whole game. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about disruption, right? Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I would say that, you know, there's a common thread with many of the founders of the companies that you're talking about. You know, Andrew Leto and his brother Michael have founded now three technology right. platforms. Right, right. This the isn't space. their first so, game. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, that, that ignites a world of possibilities for a multi-time founder and uh, certainly the folks at Turbo brought in a lot of uh, people that had, you know, sort of been in the industry and on the technology side. So really, the you know, scaling these businesses comes down to the people behind them. And ultimately, disruption in supply chain has always been a really negative word. And so... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, we're talking disruptive tech, not disruption. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, you know, the, the point being is that it's taken, you know, a good 10 years to kind of like, you know, and a whole bunch of other external factors like what's going on in the world today to really shine the light into the fact that the supply chain is broken. And, you know, I saw this fantastic tweet from Eric Johnson at the Journal of Commerce just this morning where some reporter was sharing some screenshots of the modern day logistics platforms. And it was like truck drivers in the port cities in a WhatsApp group looking for chassis and just all these like completely ridiculous ways that people communicate. And Eric Johnson, who obviously eats, sleeps and breathes this stuff every single day, tweets something to the extent of, Oh, who would have known? It's almost like somebody should have been reporting on this every single day for years. (laughs) Like he has been, but um, so it's now, you know, all of a sudden everybody's a supply chain expert and they're all kind of like citing all of these reasons. We got Monday morning quarterbacks. (laughs) Yeah. Which for guys like you and I, like have been talking about this uh, uh, nonstop, you know, for entire careers. It's, it's kind of cool to now have other people at the party, but I guess where I'm going with this is that while disruption historically was like a a dirty word, you know, right now everybody is sort of looking at their supply chain. If you have continuity in your supply chain right now, that is a competitive advantage. And it's really uh, become, it's bubbled up all the way to the, the CEO level, discussions, you know, based on largely because of this crisis. And the the companies that have really prepared and built redundancy are reaping the rewards and they're having better quarters and their reports are looking better. And the ones that have kind of been saying, you know, supply chain is not our core competency. We want to stay out of that. Those are the ones that are really suffering right now. So, you know, I've got this unique opportunity at ZBox with working within this network of 10 large corporate partners and growing of companies that have sea level conviction and they have financial resources behind it to you know really fund right. the operation of Zbox to go out and find these startups. Right. So let's talk about so first off Zbox is spelled Z E B O X, right? Correct. Zbox. Yeah, it's French for the box. <laughs> right. So we're all speaking French today. Hallelujah. My French teacher would be so happy after two semesters I can say Z box. <laughs> so you mentioned that the founder is a the friend they're French and they are the it's the son of the founder of C M A C G M. Is that correct? That's correct. And that's one of the big steamship lines, right? Yeah, this is like uh tens of billions in revenue. It's a private. You see company. their containers everywhere. <laughs> you sure do. They're also the owner of SEMA Logistics, you know, one of the top five global freight forwarders. Yeah, so these guys have been even though you don't always necessarily hear your name, all those trucks that were moving, it has stuff that was moved to this country by CGM, CMA. I mean, there's, yeah, there's, there's a number of large, you know, steamship companies in the world and they're really one of them. The, Correct. And the Sade family has been trans- transformative and building the industry and really sort of uh, normalizing container shipping, you know, starting over 40 years ago. So they saw a uh, an opportunity hole in the market. And what was that hole? With the creation of Zbox? Yeah. Yeah. So I think really what's the what, problem uh, they're solving. So executional based businesses like transportation companies are so focused on, you know, maintaining their operation and getting the boats moved across the ocean that everybody in the organization is sort of situated to make sure that that operation works continuously. Yeah. Find a truck, move the freight, right? Keep they the customer worried. happy. They, yeah. Rinse and repeat. They don't necessarily have time to innovate. They don't necessarily have time to do something that makes the experience better. They just... And quite honestly, most businesses don't. You know, once you reach a certain scale, your job, you know, becomes kind of like to keep All the that process. business going. Yeah. <laughs> so Zbox was actually established, you know, at the, it was the brainchild of the 
the chairman, Rodolphe Sade, that decided four years ago that one of the worst things that could happen to his company was that they stopped innovating. By this time, they were you know, <laughs> close to 100,000 employees globally, and they established an external incubator and accelerator in Marseille, France, that uh, was really uh, built with the sole purpose of finding innovative startups in the logistics, supply chain, and mobility space. And they were invited to come in and work in the four walls of ZBox and build their project and ultimately further their journey. And they provide, ZBox provides mentorship, a process. Here's how you go about it, guys like you. That's exactly right. So there's actually uh, two programs within ZBox. There's an incubator where folks will actually, you know, come into the accelerator, develop their project from just an idea, build their initial team, work towards a prototype and a proof of concept. And we've got resources and mentors established to help them across that entire journey. And then the larger part of the program is actually this accelerator, which is fully remote and offers startups who already have a working prototype or proof of concept, most of the time product in the market and existing established customers. That those are the companies that we can get involved in our program. And after we identify that they're a startup that can meet one of the problem statements of our corporate partners that we've right. already sort of established as an area of opportunity and in, in an existing business today, we work with those startups to make sure that their presentation and their messaging is prepared in a way that's going to help them pass the smell test of these large corporate partners and actually infiltrate the organization, get past the initial meetings and get into meaningful conversations. So that's really a process starting with evaluating where their current presentation, messaging and product market fit sits today, working on those things incrementally as they go through the program. And ultimately the throughput of coming out of ZBox, the goal is that there's a signed contract, a proof of concept, a letter of interest or an MOU with one of the corporate partners that these startups can then actually go out and make sure their product is developed in the way that's going to lead to a paying customer from one of these large corporates, which obviously unlocks a whole world of potential for them in their journey. So what's that big accelerator out in California? I forget the one that's kind of famous. And So Y Combinator is probably the most y famous kind yeah. of like startup organization, although they're really not an accelerator in, in the traditional sense. I mean, they've really morphed into they're like an early stage. Like they're more like a venture capital company. An incubator is where you kind of take an idea and then you build a team around that idea or maybe one person comes in with an idea and the entire, you know, sort of meaning of or, or sort of reason for existence for an accelerator is to take an idea and turn it into a bit or excuse me, an incubator is to take an idea and turn it into a business. Right. An accelerator is really more where you take an established, you know, company that's already sort of on their journey towards success and you help them accelerate that path right. by giving them the pieces that they in, need. In, and you guys are more of an accelerator? Yeah. So we do have incubation. There's companies that are incubating in Marseille, France. And when we open our facility in the U.S., there'll be potential for that. But I think really the opportunity that exists here in the U.S. with ZBox and our 10 corporate partners that we already have announced, the real opportunity from that perspective is to help those businesses find meaningful solutions and get some quick wins to help these uh, corporate partners really learn the entire process of innovation from within. Right. So there's an established startup market here in the U.S. that doesn't exist anywhere else. And there's companies that they call it late seed to series B range, like Emerge, who just announced a huge series right. A just a month ago, that those companies are ready for showtime right now. And we want those companies to come into ZBox and work with our corporate partners to deploy their solutions and scale those solutions to make these meaningful impacts that the opportunities are there today. I got to think it's a really big advantage for these companies that come into your program when they go out to get funding 
and they say, I'm working with some of the largest logistics companies in the world who have expressed interest and also given me feedback on what I need to do to serve them. And if you can say, look, I'm, I'm, I have a, a potential customer here, or I'm already working with them and they're huge and there's others just like them. I got to think that's a really powerful message as opposed to, Hey, I think this, I think this is going to work. <laughs> Give me a lot of money. I think I got a good idea here. And you're like, why don't you prove it? And you guys are helping them prove it. But you're also, I said, when we were prepping, you guys bring a process, which is fantastic. You bring expertise. You bring the juice in terms of the, these big, big companies that are saying, we're behind you. We are willing to, you know, lend an, lend an ear and give you some feedback and, and guidance. That's fantastic. And I love the idea that you're, you're not trying to do it internally. You're saying, we're bringing fresh blood in all the time to, with brand new ideas. Yeah, so I think where Zbox differs from you know some of these other accelerators, in addition to the capital that you know comes from being signaled you know positively to the venture space that hey, if you're selected by this accelerator, that means that you have a legitimate chance. And where Y Combinator has done a fantastic job is they've been able to pump money into all of these startups. And right. and we're currently not a venture capital fund; we don't invest in startups today. But we're part of a community and a network of supportive, not just corporates, but then also, you know, the entire network and, and community here in the U.S. and logistics technology space that we've been able to curate very quickly. So we know, you know, many supportive investors in the space that are eager to kind of like find these concepts. And oh, yeah. People develop. will be knocking your door down. I mean, you guys already, I imagine you, I know you know them, but I imagine there won't be long before they'll be knocking on your door saying, hey, what do you got going on this week? <laughs> Let me peek in there, see what, who you got in there. <laughs> And look, I mean, I, I think uh, it's a great opportunity for us to help advance the industry and advance the startup community by facilitating some of these discussions. So, you know, we're keen to work with really all investors that are passionate and interested in our space. And we're keen to work with more corporate partners, you know, across the U.S., particularly from the shipper side and and help them kind of get a seat at the table and and have sort of their view of the world be heard as we, you know, try to innovate and find the future of supply chain. So you mentioned that you guys might be opening an office here. Is Will that be a, a place where you're, there'll be some co-location opportunities for startups? Yeah, I guess in prep, I didn't even get to tell you, this is probably one of the best parts <laughs> of Z-Box in the U.S. is uh, we're building out a 12,000 square foot facility on Crystal Drive in Crystal City, which is in the national landing area of Arlington, Virginia. So this is the area that was recently selected for Amazon's HQ2. So we're a block away from Amazon's HQ2 oh, wow. to the north. And then to the south, it's being anchored by Virginia Tech's billion dollar innovation center. And so they're really, uh, it's the first 5G city. The landlord in the area is called JBG Smith. And they actually acquired 70% of the real estate in this area in about 2017, immediately got underground and wired everything with 5G fiber or 5G uh, fiber to uh, fuel like all of the sort of cellular connectivity that's going to make this kind of a petri dish for innovation. So there's like prototypes of this, you know, innovation corridor that they call it showing, you know, robots delivering food and autonomous vehicles going up and down the street. So, you know, all of this stuff is far off, but this is like their vision. No, but that's going to be a very attractive place for disruptive technology people to show up. And it's interesting. We've talked before when you're on my podcast, we have uh, Silicon Valley, of course, and then we have what's going on in Austin. And if you look beyond Austin, what is that? San, San Rafael, I think whatever that is down there, just beyond Austin and between there and San Antonio, you have the uh, Silicon Hills growing over there. And a lot of that is turning into logistics space. 
well, of course, have uh, the Silicon Valley of trucking down there in Chattanooga. But what's interesting to me is all this stuff is moving to different places. And it's not as if Silicon Valley has um, the rights to all innovation. We have innovation everywhere. But it's I never heard anybody say anything about this H. Is that what do you call it? Amazon what? Amazon 2? H- HQ2 is what HQ2. they call it. And yeah, Virginia Tech's obviously a top tech school. That's fantastic. So you guys are opening how many square feet? So it's about 12,000 square feet and it's got co-working space. It's got dedicated space where companies can actually come in and bring their entire team and work on their project. And the program is uh, designed to last between 12 and 18 months, depending on where the company is at in their journey, you know, and there's potential for us to even incubate concepts inside of this, inside of our own four walls. So in the coming weeks, I'll have some really exciting announcements about the first hires for the team. You know, so I'm trying to round up some of the best and brightest folks, you know, from the industry. Oh, that that's really fantastic. Understand, really understand startups and supply chain. And, you know, it's a tremendous opportunity in my mind to just kind of like work with the titans of industry and connect some dots, help some founders advance their uh, their projects and continue to just work with people that I love to work with and have a great time. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. We talk when we're prepping. Big companies are do a fantastic job of what they do, but they are big companies, and they recognize the limitations sometimes in how do we innovate, right? We're so busy doing our day job. And if you're the vice president of a a very profitable division and somebody says, hey, how would you like to innovate? You're like, I got earnings. (laughs) I'm held to an earnings, right? I don't want to take a chance being innovative. I want to have incremental innovation. I want to keep that earnings per share going up, right? I don't want to be the guy who got moved over to to innovate and potentially fail. Big companies are, let's face it, they deliver our food, they deliver our tech, they deliver so much of our world, not putting them down in any way. But they know what they're not good at. Little little companies, the startups, they have their own challenges. They never have enough money. They don't have enough connection to the problem that they're trying to solve, right? They think they know something, but until you really meet with enough customers, you really don't have that user requirements. And you don't have the expertise, the money, <laughs> the, the knowledge. This this is an interesting, what you guys are creating is that interesting connection between the big company that wants the innovation and the small companies that say, I need big company, you know, power, juice, <laughs> insights. I mean, it's it's a fantastic idea. It's Catalyst. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm super excited to be a part of it. It's it's been a lot of fun to work on and uh, open my eyes to sort of the inner workings of of the corporate innovation side. But I think it really what it comes down to is like inside of these large corporations, innovation is its own ethos, and oftentimes it requires an entire stack of team members starting at the C-suite all the way to the VP director level and below. And generally these people are kind of hidden with titles called like digital something, innovation, transformation. And oftentimes they become like business process improvement people. And maybe they don't come from the technology world and they've never worked in a startup. So they can't speak the same language. And if you just pluck somebody, you know, that's some up and comer out of your workforce and call them digital, that's just not really conviction that it takes to drive change and process improvement. So what we're seeing is the best and brightest companies on the innovation side look at this as like a potential opportunity to where for the price of one, you know, kind of vice president in your organization, you can then partner with not just Zbox, but also the folks that Zbox brings to the table. These these corporates are just as excited to learn from one another as they are to adopt the technologies of, of these startups because they're committed to innovation. You know, and I think on the startup side, really startups all need the same three things. It's like Maslow's hierarchy for startups (laughs) is you need some capital, 
Oftentimes to get capital, you need to validate your idea by getting some customers. So get your customers, you have to validate that you actually do know the problems and you understand the user requirements. And then as you kind of get those things, you need to be able to build and scale your team. So with those three kind of core tenants in mind, you know, we're building a curriculum and an experience that we expect can help these startups kind of build the skills in the areas where they're deficient. And we all bring different skills and, you know, strengths to the table and really helping these startups look at themselves in a mirror or a lens that the large companies are going to be looking at them through, I think gives them the opportunity to kind of accelerate their growth and kind of hit the next milestone faster. Right. And, you know, when we we talked a little bit about Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley was great for a long time and still is great and will be great because they have the smarts. They have the, a lot of smart people there coming out of the university. What is that Stanford over there? And then they have, of course, they have the money. And they have a lot of people who've already had success in the space. They have all these mentors, all these guys who I started at Google or I started at Microsoft or I started at wherever. And now I'm out and I'm 50 years old and I can be the CEO or the mentor or advisor, whatever. Now, as we branch out beyond Silicon Valley and we say, now I need that same kind of thing to happen, but in logistics, because I don't need just a general I don't need a tech guy necessarily. I need a logistics tech guy. Someone like you who says, yes, I'm from logistics, but I'm also half tech. And I think that that sounds like kind of like what you guys are creating, almost that same environment where you go, this is where the, this is the, where the magic happens. And you got to get the right people together. Absolutely. Our team structure is the boxes. You know, I get to be the person to sort of get the people in place, you know, educate the world on what it is that we're doing, and then, you know, hopefully be able to answer some questions as they come up along the way. But really, we're excited to announce one of the, you know, probably one of the best hires I've been able to make in my career that's not quite public yet, but I'm going to be bringing a chief operating officer who comes from the industry, super well-connected, can work the room like nobody, and really is going to be the person that's going to help us put all the pieces in place to make sure that we have a successful structure, both on the corporate side and on the startup side, to make sure that we're working towards success. Then the next most critical hires are our entrepreneurs and residents. So these are going to be people that come from the ecosystem. They know the startup. They'll have their own domain expertise. And they're going to be kind of the frontline coaches that handle the day-to-day kind of like in the weeds type interactions and the coaching and all these areas for these founders and the entrepreneurs. Then we'll have a whole support staff and administrative staff underneath us that's going to be able to kind of keep the wheels turning, coordinate the events, make sure that we're being known in the world. But in addition to that, like we have the corporate infrastructure you know, of this 110,000 person, you know, tens of billions of dollar company. So that's given me a lot of mentorship that I hadn't had until I was joining an organization like this in the last uh, few months. So to your point, inside of our corporate partners exist all these amazing human beings that have reached levels of success in their careers and are eager to give back. So BNSF is a corporate partner, you know, Warren Buffett's railroad, their CEO, Katie Farmer is committed to this. She is like one of the most dynamic women I've ever met my dynamic people I've ever met in my life. And, you know, to have commitment of, you know, folks like this, like these are among the top executives, the most recognizable people in our industry. And they're committed to this program and I'm not saying that they're dedicated to mentoring the founders, but to have the commitment of those people, we can get to the people in their teams and make sure that our founders are being, you know, coached, not just by the folks, you know, the startup folks in our ecosystem and our network, but also getting inside these large corporates and learning things that I can't teach. Yeah. And it'll only be a matter of time, Charlie, before it would be like, Hey, we're known by our alumni. 
the following five companies that are, you know, bringing disruptive tech to the space. From your mouth to God's ears. from here. Yeah, yes, exactly, (laughs) exactly. So, Charlie, let's switch gears here. So how do companies get into your program? If I'm a startup and I say, yes, Charlie, that sounds great. I'm the guy. How do I, how do I get into this program? Do you apply or what do you do to become part of this? Absolutely. So we haven't, uh, we haven't put out our, our application process yet. In the coming weeks, we'll be announcing the application process and timeline for our first cohort of, of U.S. startups. But the general process that we followed in the European office for their first, you know, several waves of, of startups is we identify the startups based on the problems. We invite them to come in and apply to join the program. They get the opportunity to work on their pitch and get the coaching leading up to the selection committee. Then they pitch to our selection committee, which is comprised of members of the investment community, academics, you know, potentially uh, people like yourself in the future, possibly, but certainly a strong following from, absolutely <laughs> from our corporate partners. And, you know, they're going to be really the ones that are driving the selection on the majority of the process of the startup. So once selected in the process, then the startups would be assessed based on their current positioning and kind of worked with individually from there. Imagine they can reach out and talk to you between now and then. <laughs> so yeah, um, <laughs> get to have a lot of conversations right now. I've got about seventy-five interested startups so far. So you know, we expect to be well under the hundreds in our first kind of round of applications. So, and how many do you expect to accept in that first round of applications? Depending on probably you know how the team shapes up, I would think somewhere in the neighborhood of ten to twenty, but. All of these things are are up in the air, and right. I certainly look forward to coming back and kind of like you know sharing it with yeah yeah. Uh, well, it's a very this is this is fascinating because again, I think we all feel this, guys. It's it's when these technologies hit, it's always like, oh my god, why didn't I think of that? And again, we are seeing not the technology that is incremental that everybody feels somewhat comfortable with, like oh, I I automated that and I no longer have to do that process. This is the stuff that you go, oh my God, that, that is the game changer. This is the, uh, the killer app, so to speak. So it's all coming. So how about corporates? How do they get involved? I mean, do you have, would you say a dozen companies that are already in corporate? Yeah. So, so we've got about, uh, we've got about 10. Some are like already uh, publicly known. Others aren't. We'll probably be putting out like a more formal, you know, kind of release about all of the exact stakeholders. But just suffice it to say, I leaked a little information about our railroad partner. I've already mentioned CMA CGM group, which includes SIBA Logistics, a very large. These are big dogs. (laughs) Probably the largest, you know, logistics tech startup software company in the history. Think visibility is committed to the program. (laughs) <laughs> I think I, I think I know those guys. They won't, they won't come on my podcast, but well, I'm supposed to be on my podcast, but I know who you're talking about. Joe, I can get you to those guys. They're great guys. They're going to be supporting <laughs> they us are. this project. And I know then we've also are. got about a half a dozen large shippers that are in the application process today. So, so far it's been, you know, relatively invitation only. We've really been sort of keeping this within like the sphere of, of CIA right. groups key corporate partners, a very large trucking oh, that company sense, looking yeah. to participate. A large port in the Northeast is uh, is committed to the program. So lots of uh, really taking a slice of the entire supply chain to make sure that we've got stakeholders across the entire right. value chain to have a seat at the table. Right. And even though we none of us enjoyed it necessarily, this COVID thing strained the supply chains, obviously, and we're still seeing, you know, the port congestion. We're still seeing kind of the weaknesses, right? This we learned where where we have some uh, cracks in the in the process. So this is a perfect time to be talking about technology that makes things better. 
And this is, it sounds like a fantastic program. So, Charlie, what I'll do is I'll put a I'll put a link to ZBox and I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile and anything else you give me, I'll put in the show notes. I appreciate that, Joe. You've always been so supportive of of the things that I'm working on, and it's always fun to <laughs> kind of come back around, which which seems like it's a it's a it's often, but it's probably not often enough that we get to talk. But I just can't thank you enough for all the support over the years, man. You started off as a as an idol of mine, became a mentor through LinkedIn uh, and the group that you were running. <laughs> When nobody else was talking about supply chain, you were giving us stuff to read. <laughs> well, thank you for saying so. And it's funny, you've been, I joke, I have a whole bunch of, I call mentors who are younger than me, which is an awkward place to find yourself. And you said it earlier, all these people are half my age and twice as smart as me. That's that's how I feel half my half my days. But I guess that's the advantage to get, at least you have the chance to get old. <laughs> so Charlie, I do really appreciate you coming on talking about this and uh, I'll put all those links in and I really do look forward to hearing what you guys are doing because, you know, guys, as much as this, you know, we call it disruptive tech and it's scary. The only thing scarier than that is if you're not involved in it when it hits, right? <laughs> so, you know, we all... We all look and go, I just don't want to be a victim of it. And, you know, you're either on the winning team or the losing team. And I swear the, the, the name of the game is this technology. It's where all the gains are happening in our business right now. Couldn't agree more. Excited to be a part of it. Well, thank you very much, Charlie. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate you having me. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.